Um, last week we heard a great message uh, from uh, Ron Radicke. You remember last week? Who, who was really blessed uh, by that message? I had a lot of people this week talking to me about it. And what, we ha- what happens a lot is uh, we hear a great message and we think, wow, that was a great message. But by the next week, by even halfway through the week, we forget about it. It, it kind of goes away. And, and I want to keep this one on the forefront. And so did anybody by chance bring a story, a testimony of praying for somebody this week? Did anyone, was anyone encouraged to step out in faith? You know, I'm not, okay, let me stop. I'm not going to ask you to share it. I'm just going to ask if, if that had happened. Okay, there we go. See, see all those hands are like, I am not saying yes, Pastor Rob, because you're going to make me talk about it. Okay, see, that's okay. I get it, because I, I understand. So um, now, now, if you were just anywhere this week in a situation, maybe in a line somewhere, uh, and, and something was happening around you, and you remembered the message, and you became aware of the opportunity, but maybe didn't have it or didn't take the opportunity, raise your hand. To, to pray with somebody. Um, that, that happened this week for me. I was in a line at DIY, and it was just uh, what, what Ron talked about of, of looking for the opportunity to pray for somebody. And I was standing in the line at DIY, and the guys behind me were talking, and one of the guys started talking about how he had cancer, you know, how, or had had cancer. And I was like, okay, I'm listening. I'm, I'm going to maybe jump in there. And, and next thing I know, though, he's like, and you know, but I'm all better, and I don't know exactly what happened. And so I, I you know, didn't feel like it was the right time to swoop in with a, a testimony. Um, but what's good is that we're encouraged to be, be open and looking and listening for these opportunities. And I don't want that to go away. Because, as, as he talked about, and this isn't the message, it's kind of a free message. So after I give the little message, we'll take another offering before the next message. Just kidding. But... Um, but, you know, we are called to be his witnesses. And, and just this week, actually on Monday, um, I was listening to a, a sermon uh, um, on the radio. Uh, it happened to be Rick Warren. And he was talking about, uh, funny enough, he was talking about sharing your faith and being a witness. And he wasn't using the word evangelism uh, for most of the message. Finally, he says, guys, this is called evangelism, but we don't want to say evangelism because the moment in church you say you have to do evangelism, Everybody freaks out, and they get scared and worried about, you know, oh my gosh, what does that mean? And so he says, that's why he says, uh, Jesus told his disciples and the, and the people, he says, you are to be my witnesses. And, and I'm going to just real quick preach his little thing because it was so uh, simple and yet powerful. He says, what does a witness do? He says, when you go to court and uh, you, have, you have lawyers, and you have witnesses, and you have the judge, and a witness is not there to convince the jury of anything. It's not that the witness's job to convince or to argue. It's not a witness's job necessarily to be even an expert witness. Uh, a witness might look like this. So please tell me what you saw. I saw a blue car coming down the hill. I saw the light turn red, but the blue car didn't stop. The red car pulled through and the blue car hit the red car. Well, are you an expert witness about cars? No. Well, you know, what makes you a credible witness? I saw the blue car hit the red car. That's all I know. Thank you. You're dismissed. The witness is very important in a case. They tell the facts. They don't have to be an expert. They don't have to convince the jury. Jesus said, you're to be my witnesses. He didn't say you're to be my lawyer. Who's the lawyer? The Holy Spirit. 
in fact, now I'm going to go a little, little, uh, you know, out of, out, of, out of the wording of, of Scripture to a, to a degree. There's a word given for the Holy Spirit. It's counselor. I think it's very interesting that lawyers are called counselors. Now, that's just because God's got a sense of humor, and he says, I'm going to help you do this, because the word counsel, what he was really talking about is that, that, that which would comfort. But isn't it neat that when we're thinking about we're, we're the witness, the Holy Spirit is the counselor, the lawyer, and the Bible says it's the Holy Spirit who convicts people of sin. So our job, all of our job as believers, is simply to tell people what we saw, what we know. We don't have to convince somebody. We don't have to, to know the, whole, the Romans' road of salvation, though I encourage us to know that. You just have to tell people, let me tell you what happened to me. Let me tell you what happened to a friend of mine. I'm a witness to a changed life. I'm a witness to a healing. And that's all we're looking to do. Beginning next week on Sunday morning, we're going to have a little table and a little platform, a little plate with pennies in it and a jar. This week, as you're out and about, I encourage you to be, just like uh, Ron said, um, be looking for that opportunity to maybe pray with somebody. And remember, it's 2-1-1. Remember, two minutes. Take two minutes to, to share what happened to you. One-on-one. -on -one, that's the one-on-ones. Just you and, you and somebody else. And then ask them, can I pray with you? And you just pray one-on-one. -on -one. So it's two-minute testimonies. Uh, one minute of prayer with one person. And the reason we the one person, and some of you said, what was the other one? That, that was it. The two-minute testimony, one minute of prayer, one-on-one -on -one is the third one because we don't want people to feel uh, overwhelmed. Um, I've watched it happen where, you know, I'll send, hey, can I pray with you? And someone goes, okay. And next thing you're going, hey, Joe, Fred, Bob, come on, we're going to pray. And this poor guy goes, ah! <laughs> right? So we're just going to pray. And then, then all your job is next week is to come in and take a penny, if you did that, and drop it in the jar. Just drop it in the jar. And we're going to see how many opportunities that we're now taking to share God, share what happened to us with somebody else. Now, if you would like to share that, your story, um, today after church we're going to launch our 211 at BigBearChristianCenter.org. 211, the number 211 at BigBearChristianCenter.org. You can send an, uh, an email and share your story with us, and then we'll, look, we'll get in touch with you so that you can then maybe next week or the week after begin to share your story in less than two minutes with us. Now, if you can take the, and, and I'm gonna, we're going to hold to that. It's going to be a short testimony. You don't have to get up, you know, probably more like a minute because you're only talking with this guy for two minutes, so you better not have a 10-minute story about talking to somebody for two minutes. Come on. Anyway, so, so 211 at BigBearChristianCenter.org. Drop it in an offering box at the back of the church. Slip it under the door midweek, whatever. Get those things to us if you want to share. But if you don't want to share but you still want to share your story, please do that. And just if you want, you put, I'm not going to share. <laughs> I don't want to talk. And we'll talk about that. Hopefully, eventually, you'll start hearing these other stories and we'll hear your story or maybe we'll just read yours, okay? 211. Let's keep doing that because we're called to be his witnesses. The Bible says that we are supposed to be the salt of the earth, right? Well, if we're the salt, then this building we're in is the salt shaker. And the salt does no good in the salt shaker. So we want to get the salt out of the shaker and into the world where it's doing some good. Amen?
All right, praise the Lord. We are in the book of Ephesians. There's no good good uh, um, time to share um, news, in, 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 but I want to give an update on John Day. Um, I did, uh, uh, Kathy, put, uh, his daughter, put a message on our Facebook page this week that he is really not doing well. Um, he is pretty much conf- he's confined to his wheelchair. He's um, barely able to talk. He's pretty incoherent, and he's really not um, getting any nutrition at this point. He's pretty much refusing to eat. And so uh, we, um, we believe that his time here is quickly, quickly coming to an end. And, you know, we're not praying for healing for him. Uh, I believe that his healing is coming in the form of, of being with Jesus. You know, as Christians, we should not be afraid of death. And for him, he is going to get there, and, and the Lord is going to say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. He has fought the fight. He has finished his race. He served faithfully. And um, so we will obviously miss him. Now, God could do a crazy miracle and raise him up and give him 10 more years. I don't see that. But God can do whatever he wants to do. Tom? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Served as a, as, a, as a chaplain. He served as a counselor for 20 years before that. Uh, he actually retired three times. He, um, maybe four if you count the Air Force. He was in the Air Force. Then he went into the IBM, and he, and he did a full career with IBM. Then he became a pastoral counselor and was a pastoral counselor for 20 years down at his old church, and he retired from that, came up here, became our family pastoral counselor and at the church, and then became the local chaplain and retired from that. So when I say he's fought the fight and finished the race, he's done it, and he's a great, great example to all of us. So let's, let's use him and, and be praying for, of course, his family and Donna. Uh, his lovely wife, who will be miss him dearly. So many accomplishments. We're gonna try to get his his notebook. I, I gotta tell you, this is this is kind of funny. He used to pray this prayer all the time, and so um, when he passes, we're gonna have to honor him. And he used to say, "Now I lay me." He was a, he he believed in in keeping journals um, of your prayer time of of your your struggles. Always keep a journal. Always keep a journal. So this was his prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, throw my journal in the lake. <laughs> so, <laughs> amen. And, and any of you who keep, keep a journal, you might have to put that in your will and testament. Oh, yeah, by the way, that box with the journals, just burn it. Please, nobody read it. Um, anyways, but uh, amen. I've, I've, I love, love the man. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 14. We're going to go to verse 24 this morning as we are, are traveling through this great book of Ephesians. We are, are learning um, how to be, and now we've turned the corner and, and how to live. He's going to help us to, to live um, out of the place that we are, out of the place that we live. We've talked about uh, for the first couple of chapters that we are um, in Christ, that we were adopted, we're part of the family of God, that uh, we are alive in Him. We're no longer outsiders d- divided or, or on the outside of the wall of separation. What we're 
part of the family of God. Jews and Gentiles alike, there is no separation. We're together. Um, in, in the recent times, we went through the, the beginning, chapter 4. We talked about the uh, body and unity and spiritual gifts that we're, we're all to be equipped for, for the body of Christ to be enriched and to grow and to, to preach the gospel. Starting in verse 17 now, he, he does this thing again. And he says, this I say, therefore. And, and the, the therefore, keep, he keeps using this therefore and wherefore term, going back to what he was saying before. Because of these things that he just talked about, we should do this. And so we're going to start this off with the therefore of how we're supposed to live. Now, um, we'll get a little bit into the, into the background of, of this and, and the, the depth of the writing here of Paul in Ephesians. But he says, um, this I say, therefore, I'm going to read uh, till 19. Therefore, and testified in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. And we're going to stop with that. We're going to stop right before 20 where it says but because it's a new thought. And so he's, he's saying this thing. In the very beginning, he says this. He says, I say, therefore, and testify it in the Lord um, that you should no longer walk. This is a double emphasis he's saying. He's saying, I'm testifying. But the word actually in the Greek is a command. This isn't a suggestion. What he is really saying is, I'm going to tell you something and you need to do it. So we need to take heed when he's talking strongly about how we're supposed to, to live and that we should understand this, this principle. And, you know, as I was reading this, um, we're going to get into this, this uh, part here, and, and I was just thinking about change. Um, you know, life brings a lot of change, right? Amen. Change happens all the time. In fact, I like that old saying uh, that somebody said, change is inevitable, except from a vending machine. But, um, you know, change is inevitable. It happens all the time, and sometimes it happens really, really quickly. Um, but other times, we're looking for change, and we're not seeing it. And so, it, though, though, I mean, I, I talked with a lot of people, and they say, I can't believe how time is, is, how fast time is going these days. And it does seem like it's much faster when I was a kid. I don't understand that. Uh, you know, did you realize it's September 2nd now? That we're just, and, and night before last, you realized that the weather was changing because you woke up uh, yesterday morning and you went, ooh. You know, and some of you actually turned on your heater. At least I talked to somebody who turned on their heater. Um, and it's getting, so change happens. But interesting, sometimes in our own life, we don't see change quick enough. You know, if you've been a Christian a long time, you might be looking at yourself going, I'm still struggling and I'm having these things. We're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. Um, and one, one thing I want to relieve us, and Paul is relieving us from this, is change is not up to you alone. You can't do it. You, you, the Lord in you is the one who has to, to work the change through. So it's about learning the yielding process and allowing the Lord in our life to help us change. So, but it is important to know that, yes, the Lord wants us to, to grow and to change, not just so that we look a certain way. The Lord wants us to grow and change because it's actually good for us. He wants us to walk in the fullness of life. We're going to get to that in a moment. 
And so he says that I, I urge you, I, I uh, strongly, strongly command you um, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. And, and he's, he's comparing this, these believers with unsaved people. And so for us, let's not get lost on Jew and Gentile um, because really what he's making the point is that the Gentiles were outside of the family of God. That's just what he's saying. So for us, we're going we're gonna to just talk about those who are unsaved. Those who are unsaved. We as Christians, if you're a believer this morning, seated in here, we're called to be different than we used to be before we were Christians. We're called to live and be different than those who haven't called on Jesus yet, who haven't received Christ as their Savior. Now, now don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not trying to build this thing that we're better by any means because here's what the Bible says about the Gentiles, about those who don't. They're walking in the futility of their mind. Now, it says they have their understanding darkened and they are alienated from, look at this if you're underlining things, alienated from the life of God. Life of God. Not just alienated from God. We talk about that a lot. That, you know, those who don't know Christ, they're apart from God. But they're not just apart from God, they're apart from the life of God. And this is, this is a key for us. Life is only in Christ. Life is only in God. Can you have happiness outside of God? Absolutely. I've seen people, they seem pretty happy. They don't know the Lord. But true life, true hope, true joy comes in the life of God, and it only happens for believers. So those that are unsaved, it's not to separate them and make them bad. What is to, to help us understand is that we are different we used to be like that, and he's calling us to not walk like people who don't have Christ, who, who have this thinking that's futile. And it's because, wh why, is there, why is thinking futile when you don't know Christ? Because they are dead in sin. Their mind and their spirit has not come to life. And if you remember, the course is we're always trying to find happiness. In fact, outside of Christ, we all had one thing in common. We just really wanted to make sure I was okay. Now, immediately, some of you are going to say, you know, that, that's just not true. I didn't really care about myself. I didn't like myself. If you start tracing it, you actually find that we are always caring for ourselves, even when we're serving other people, because often we're doing it so we feel better. See, outside of Christ, it's all about me. I want to be the boss. I, I am, we're, we're so egocentric, even people who seem humble, because, because there's all this thing we're trying to protect. As we come to Christ, he brings us life and changes it, and we begin to focus on him. And he said that they were the futile, uh, their futility of thinking or a futile in their mind, and, and it's this doing, trying to do one thing and the next and the next all to serve myself. We've seen the progression what people do. They try to get money to make their life better. In this nation, we find that there, there's a people running, working so hard to amass money to get things because those things are going to finally bring us joy. And, and it's, it's futile thinking. We, we try to climb the ladder of success so that we have some type of prominence or we feel good about our position in society or in a business so that we can talk about our titles because it makes us feel better that we've accomplished something. 
And all of these things, they end up being futile. We try to hide our hurts with relationships. People go from one relationship to another. And, and, and it's so often it's self-serving. They're in this relationship and it's all about how am I going to feel? How, what, are you, what can you do for me in this relationship? It's futile. We see the, the, the futility of looking to alcohol and to drugs, to substances to bring joy and, and you know, to, to, to imagine that somebody is drinking and doing drugs because they're so happy in life. You know, it's an escape. And the thinking is futile, but to, to, their, uh, to, to, the, to their benefit, even the scriptures talk about that it's their ignorance, and it even says in their ignorance, and we understand the alien from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. And that word there is, is not stupidity. It's really a word that says they just don't know. They don't know because they, they have not been enlightened to God. And that's where we come in, and that's not the message, but that's where we as believers come in to help people with their ignorance. They just don't know any better. Have you ever seen somebody doing something that was, you're just watching them going, that's not going to work. You've, you've been there, and you've done that, and you're watching them, you know, whether, whether they're, a, you know, I mean, it's like a little kid who puts their fingers in the little Chinese thing, and they're just pulling, and they start pulling harder, and you go, that's not going to work. And you go, because they're ignorant. They don't have the, the information. Well, this, is not just a, this isn't just about ignorance that needs information. This is ignorance that needs enlightenment from the Spirit of God. Because without, without God, who's alive and living, we're going to talk about this, this gets really good, you cannot figure it out. You, it's, it, the key is missing. There is no figuring it out. You try, and you try, and you try, and you try, and it doesn't work. It only happens when we come to Christ because then our spirit becomes alive, and that's when we stop walking. And so, so, but we're talking to us as believers today, and Paul is saying that we're not supposed to walk, do life, do everything. Peripateo, we've talked about this word a lot this, in the book of Ephesians. Do life, live the way the rest of the Gentiles do life in the futility of mind. Then it goes on and says, their, their understanding is darkened. They're apart from the life of God. That was us. We weren't alive. We were dead. The Bible says in Romans, we are dead in our trespasses because of the ignorance that is in them. But here, here's another part here. Uh, in the New King James, it says, because of the blindness of their heart. The blindness of their heart. If, if you're reading along with me, um, other versions actually have a better word in there. Blindness is not the right word. I like the New King James. It really, it really made a mistake in this one. It's not blindness. It's a hardening. It's a hardening of their heart. They, they, they would even use it when um, they, they basically to cauterize a wound. They would, they would hope it would harden up so it would, would close up. It's not just that they can't see, it's, it's a hardening. And you know what happens when things get hardened, they lose sensitivity. The longer you stay in the world, your heart becomes hardened. It becomes hardened to, to feeling, it becomes hardened to the truth. You get set in your ways, and they are living in ignorance without the knowledge of God in the, because of the hardening of their heart, who being past feeling 
have given themselves over. And it says to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. And this, this passage is not talking just about sexual sins. It makes it feel like that. It's talking about um, all of these actions that are spoiled. They're broken. They're, they're dirty. They're, they're unwhole. All of these acts, because what we do in the world is we just keep running to it. We just keep running to it, and we get hardened. And, and anyone who's ever watched somebody walk down a path of sin can say they, they saw it happen. I don't know anyone who started smoking uh, or crack or, or shooting up heroin as their first choice. Before they did that, almost every single person drank. And then they smoked a little weed. And then they tried the next step up, and pretty soon they're all the way over here. Sin is a progression that leads us off, and the farther we get down doing whatever it is that we're doing, we get hardened. Most people don't start looking at hardcore pornography, and pornography is a huge issue and problem in the world and in the church today. Statistically, I know that there's a lot of men in here, and now even women, that struggle with pornography, and I'm looking, making sure I'm not stopping on anyone. So if I happen to stop on you, it's not because I know something. (laughs) These are the moments you want to look up, because I'm not trying to pull anyone out. But I, wanna, I, I do want to get eye contact with every man in here because this is a struggle common to man and it comes in slowly and it begins to get us. But it didn't start off in hardcore pornography. It started off little by little. And pretty soon we, f- we, we find that our hearts are beginning to get hardened and we're running to our sin and to these things. And we're lost and, our, and our, we're not sensitive anymore. And without Christ, you can't even come back to that. We need Christ. We're not supposed to walk the way the world walks. We're supposed to look different. And, and as, as believers, this is the command. This is where he's telling us, listen, you can't be that way. And there, back when I was first saved, we were coming out of a time where, where uh, Christianity and, and church really looked the same for a lot, a lot of years. And there was this movement that probably started happening in the 70s that was wonderful in, in many aspects, but dangerous in others. And it was that you didn't have to wear a suit and tie and have to listen to certain kind of music and do you know, certain things in order to be a Christian that you could actually, is, it, we saw the Jesus movement, I don't know if any of you were, uh, were a believer in the time of the Jesus movement, but um, where, where a lot of people, they came and they were, Chuck Smith uh, at Calvary Chapel, the people were coming to Christ, coming to church in, in barefoot and flip-flops and they were putting their surfboards up, something that could have never happened behind. So they, they did leave some of the forms, but one of the things that we began to happen is that the, the teaching that says, hey, we need to reach the world, so let's look just like the world. And, and they missed it. Paul said, I become all things to all people that, by, by, that some might be saved. But he wasn't talking that we should look just like them, have the same sense of humor and the bad jokes, and maybe still drinking and doing some of these things. He, he wanted us to be able to relate with people. And so the, sometimes the church looks so much like the world, you can't tell the difference. 
And believers, we're supposed to be different. We're supposed to be different enough so that people actually come and say, there's something different about you. Instead of, wow, you're a Christian? I would have never guessed. Oh, me. And so Paul is telling us we're not supposed to walk, not just, and I'm not talking about dress. I'm talking about attitudes of mind and heart and, and our outward conduct. And then he, he lists all these things. And then let's go to verse 20. He says, now here, now, so this is what he's now telling us, but we have not so learned Christ. We're, we're believers this morning. We didn't learn Christ so that, that we would look the same as the world. We actually did learn that we're, we're set free from sin. He set us free. Why should we be entangled in it any longer? But, but I love this word here because it didn't say none of your, hopefully none of your Bibles say, you have not so learned about Christ. If, if you have that in your Bible, I'm going to tell you that's not, that's a very bad translation. This is very poignant. You have not so learned Christ. And when I read that, I just I, I scooted over it so many times. That sounds like bad grammar. Anyway, we got some teachers in here. You have not so learned Christ. I, you can't learn a person. Can you learn a person? No, you have to learn about a person. You're not talking about learning about Christ. He's telling us that we're learning him. We're knowing him because he's personal. And, and, and it's really helping us to see, as believers, we don't just study about God, study about Christ. We actually get to know him. And we did not know him in a way that would convince us that we're supposed to live like the world. We know him. We learned him. And we found that he wants us to be separate. He, he, he doesn't want us to live like that because he wants us to have the life of God in us. Not, he's not looking for our, our behavior. He's looking to us to live in life. Jesus said, I have come to give them life and life abundantly. You have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him. There it is again. This is not a mistake. This is exactly what he wanted to write. If indeed you've heard not about him, heard him. If you have that relationship with him, if you're listening to him do you hear him many people uh, uh, claim to be christians many people attend church many people read their bibles but they have not learned christ and they have not heard him they're hearing about him learning about him but the next step is to get to know him personally and actually have a saving living relationship with him and paul is talking to us who've done that and he says i don't think this of you you haven't learned christ this way if indeed you've heard him and have been taught by him hallelujah taught by him through the holy spirit through the word of god because jesus is the word so don't get me wrong i'm not telling you that we shouldn't read the bible but if you're reading the bible outside of christ you're just reading a book but if you're reading the bible in christ you're learning him learning him and then this is a great way this next part in verse 21 it says you've been taught by him as the truth is in jesus and again, it's easy to uh, scan by this, but every other place in Ephesians, I don't think there's another place that says Jesus. It says Christ. Why did Paul say Christ, Christ, Christ in this one spot talk about Jesus? It's just a simple point. It's because he's talking about 
Jesus' life on earth. He, Christ is the Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah. It's like somebody who has a job title that, that is, is part of who they are, but they also have a life um, that, that is a little separate. Okay? You might have somebody who's uh, a police officer. And you could kind of talk about them as the police officer, but then they have a, a life that's them as an individual. Christ is our Messiah. He's our Savior. But Paul wants us to focus in on Jesus for just the moment as he says the truth is in Jesus, the man, son of God, who walked the earth, who taught. What did he teach? How did he live? What example did he live we're supposed to not just look at him as, as the Savior, but also look directly at how he exampled life. And the truth is in his life. And if there was somebody who was able to be friends with sinners and yet be different, it was Jesus Christ. He was not afraid to walk, to dine, to be with those who were outside of the Jewish faith. He was never afraid of that. But when he was inside, there was something different that he brought to the table. Church, we are supposed to live the same way. We're not supposed to be holier than thou people who, who people are afraid to talk to. Ron was talking about uh, going out on the streets with the big Bible. There was actually one guy on our outreach as he would show up. We, we nicknamed him Books because he literally went out onto the streets of Hollywood with a commentary that was like this thick and a Bible and another book and he had all these books and he would carry them around and try to talk to people about Jesus. And the people would see him and they'd run. I mean, he's either selling encyclopedias or whatever he's got has got nothing that I want. Right? And so when you go out on the street, you, you go and you bring the life of God. You're not bringing the books. And so, uh, boy, that tangent just messed me up. So let's just get back here. <laughs> Living, li live, that's right, we're talking about Jesus being able to be friends with sinners and, and live in them. But when you come, you bring, and I'm going to focus in on the life of God. You're not alienated from the life of God. You live in the life of God. We, we carry the life of Christ in us. Everywhere we go, we're supposed to continue to do that. And we have to walk in a way that doesn't bring us back to death. But we live in the life of God. We've heard him. We've been taught by him. We see the truth is in Jesus. And then starting in verse 22. that you what? Put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. One. Two. That you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And three. That you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So we're not supposed to live as those who don't know Christ we're supposed to be different. We're supposed to let that life of God live inside of us. And so therefore, we have to put off concerning the former man, the conduct, the old man. And I, like, I love this because when we were in the world unsaved, before Christ found us, remember, we didn't find Christ. He found us. Christ was never lost. When he found us, when we received his gift that he had been offering forever to us, we finally decided to receive it. We went from death to life immediately. It just happened. 
your spirit became alive and you became a new creation. The Bible says if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are gone. Behold, all things is new. And this has been our struggle ever since we've been saved for all, all of us in this room. They're going, I know somehow that I'm a, cre a new creation. Why do I still struggle in the sin? Paul did the same thing. But he says we're going to put off the old man, the old conduct. We're going to be renewed and we're going to put on. When we come to Christ, sometimes we're taught poorly. Sometimes we, we hear poorly. Maybe it's not even taught poorly, but sometimes we hear poorly that you need to change your behavior. Stop doing this. Start doing this. And so sometimes it's a lot harder to stop doing this, but easier to start doing this. So we tried that. You know, I can't stop living in sin because those sins, I've been doing them a long time and they're really my good friends. But I'm going to start reading my Bible. And I'm going to start going to church. And I'm going to start trying to do all these things. But we find that we're having this difficulty putting on the new stuff because we didn't take off the old stuff. Before you put on, you have to put off. And spiritually, it's done. It says that we're dead to sin, that we're alive in Christ. That was a one-time event that happened, and now we're living in that, but we still have to put off the old. We have to allow it to be dead in our life. In fact, the Bible says that we consider ourselves dead to sin, which means, you know, I just got to remember, you know what? The sin no longer has a hold on me, and I'm not going to walk in my old conduct and, and the, in the Greek here, it says, in my version, again, I don't know what you, you version you have, it says, the old man. It says, you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man. And I like that, the old man. The, and it is correct. It's a, it's a definite article, the. It's not the article, your. And it, why, why do I make a point of that? When you're in Christ, the old man is not yours anymore. It's not yours. You've been set free from that. It is the old man. But I tell you, the old man wants to come and affect me all the time. Don't own it. He's not your old man anymore. You've been set free. You've been bought at a price. It's the old guy. And remember, that's the old guy. Sorry, we don't want the old guy in the church. I get in trouble for saying that. We don't, we, we don't want the old man. We don't want the, the old woman because we're created in new knowledge. So we're going to put off that uh, concerning our former conduct. So we're gonna, we are going to change behaviors. We're going to not do the things, but how do we do that? Here's, here's the key in doing that. Verse 23. You can't do that on your own. It's only in Christ. And 23 is the key. We have to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now, if you read this, this little section again, it, it talks about understanding. It talks about your mind, your thinking, ignorance. It talks about all of these things. So much is up here. And, and not just thinking, it's also attitude. In order to put off the former, the old man, we have to work on our attitude and our thinking. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Talks about being renewed in our mind. We're not, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
We have to have our, our mi- re- mind renewed. You remember what the word repentance actually means. In the Greek, repentance is not just, it doesn't mean stop doing bad things and start doing good things. It actually means change the way you think. Change your attitude towards life. My attitude towards life used to be, I'm the boss, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. When I repent, I have to say, I'm not the boss, I'm going to do whatever he wants me to do. I have to, con- I have to tell myself at times, the things that I want to do aren't good for me, though they're pleasurable. I have to agree with God. He says, these things are not for you any longer. So what my mind has to be renewed. I have to change my, my attitude. And it says in verse 22, it says, The old man which grew corrupt according to the de- deceitful lusts. Deceitful lusts. I'm going to just talk about that really quick. The lust for more money. Okay. The word lust is, is not a sexual term necessarily. The word is epithumia. It's a Greek word, and it actually means strong desire. Um, Believe it or not, the Bible uses the same word at times when Jesus was talking about how he wanted us to live. He actually used the same word. He lusted. In other words, he had a strong desire, but when it talks about deceitful lust, rather than think of it sexually, I'm going to help us all today from here on. When you see that, think of it as an urge. Anyone ever have an urge? Some of you were at the store this week and you had an urge to buy something you didn't need and you did it, right? Some of you had an urge, and, and urges can be positive and they can be negative. Um, so, sometimes you get an urge, I think it's from the Lord, from the Holy Spirit, to, to read your Bible or to pray. That's, that's an urge and that's a, that can become a strong desire and you just have to do it. Many of our urges are deceitful because they're from the enemy, from our flesh, the urge to make more money and it begins to control you and you can't conquer the urge the urge to tell a story about somebody to make them look bad and you look good the urge to lie to cover yourself at work they're deceitful urges we have to get rid of these deceitful urges we have to understand that these things are not from the Lord and we have to begin to look and say well look at all the things that I do in my life because of these urges see none of us I, I think all of us had a pro- would, would say you know I just don't I really don't have a problem with that kind of la- I don't lust much but if I say the word urge you go, oh man I have urges all the time I have urges to be mean to my wife I have urges to be angry I have urges to, to gossip come on you've been in a situation you're talking and all of a sudden you, you know a piece of information about somebody and the conversation goes there and you go, oh man, I have a good one. I just want to tell this because this story will just make your hair stand up. Can you believe that Joe, you know, and Joe did this? I, I, I got to come up with a name that nobody has anymore, like Humperdinck or something. <laughs> but can you, let me tell you what Joe did. And you gossip. And it, where did it come from? It came from a deceitful urge. That's going to make you feel better later. How many times have you given it? I know I have. How many times have you given into an urge that, that was deceitful because it left you emptier than it promised? That urge promised happiness. It promised something to you, and you followed it out, and it always leaves you empty. It's deceitful. 
And he says that we're supposed to put off the old man with his deceitful urges about us. Me, 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 me. Instead, be renewed in our mind. Have a new thinking. We have the, that's that repentance. Change our thinking. Change our attitude. Then, finally, we can put on the new man. You put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Believe it or not, God created you that you would live in righteousness and holiness. And I, I believe here is, a, is, is a, a good definition for that word holiness because that's a scary word. I mean, we, we've, I've talked about this a lot. I mean, come on, how many we wake up in the morning and look in the mirror and go, man, you are just one holy dude. <laughs> I mean, you know, we don't feel holy. I mean, even, even after a, a great service or in a worship service or something out, we walk out. I mean, how many of us go, man, I just feel holy. He created us. Holiness is wholeness. He created you not to be broken. He created you with life as a masterpiece. And that's what he wants us to live in. So when we put on the new self, it comes in wholeness. As we change our attitudes and our thinking, we begin to put away the, the behavior, but also, most importantly, the attitudes that keep bringing us up to, to the brokenness, that keep bringing us up to the addictions, that keep bringing us up to the anger, that keep bringing us up to the things that are futile. And he says, no, I, I, I created you the new man. In fact, if you're going to put the your anywhere, take it off of the old man and put it on the new man because that is your new man. It's yours. You're in Christ. You don't have to work for it. The work was done. The work was absolutely done. It's a done deal. But we put off the old man and we accept and walk in the new man as we change our attitude and our thinking. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to take some effort. It's going to take some effort. I'm going to uh, make up my, my computer stopped... Uh, printing. So I'll get these made up for next week because I'm going to have them in the hallway. Attitudes to put off and what to replace it with. And I'm going to encourage you. We're, we're going to put them in the bulletin next week. Dave's not, you know, Dave, we're going to put them in the bulletin. It's a long list, but it's things that you find the thing that you're struggling with. And, and you're going to read the list and just be overwhelmed like I was. But what you, I want you to do th this next week as you, as you get this when you come Sunday is look for the things that you know that you're struggling with the attitudes, the things. You're going to find out what it is that you put off and what you put on to replace it. We're going to walk in Jesus, in Christ, and we're going to do that. We're going to, um, we're, we're going to use this as our platform to go into communion. So we celebrate communion once a month here. Jesus said, whenever you get together, do this. It's remembrance of what he did for us. Jesus did not die so that we could be miserable he did not die so that we could be broken and hopeless and racked in addictions. He died so that we would have life and life to the full. And throughout, throughout the, the Bible, he's always pointing us to a relationship with him to life in God. Life, life, not death, not hopelessness. And as the, the gentlemen are going to come, you know, pass out the elements, just go ahead and hold on to it for a moment as I continue to talk and we'll take it together. And so I decided to do a communion at the end because we want to say, Lord, I want to put off the old man. I want to be renewed in my mind.
and I want to put on my new man, created in Jesus, whole, righteous. God, help me with my attitudes. See, our actions don't come out of actions. They come out of attitudes. They come out of thought processes. Well, we need to give those to the Lord and let those be broken. But at the same time that we put off, we need to know what to put on. When you have hatred, you put on love. We want to get rid of bitterness and bring contentment. See, contentment is a wonderful opposite of bitterness. We're, we're bitter because of all the things that have happened to us. And instead we're going to say, Lord, I'm going to choose to be content. Help me to be content in what you've given me. We don't walk as we used to before we knew Christ. I want to say, too, if you're here this morning, I know there's some people here this morning that you may not have ever committed your life to Christ. You may have gone to church. You may have, have done a lot of things, maybe even a pray to prayer because somebody told you you had to pray a prayer. That prayer does not lead to salvation. A repentant heart and a committed life to the Lord is what salvation comes from. And if you've never agreed with God about your condition as a sinner and committed your life to Him to say, I need you and I will serve you and I will follow you because you have the words of life, then this is the day to do that before we do communion. I didn't thank you. Here, I'll break it with you, Brian. You had a big piece. So this morning is for you to, to say, God, I, I keep living futilely. I keep trying to do things on my own, and I'm, I'm not happy. I don't have joy. I don't have life. I don't even know what to do. But it sounds like you do. What I'm hearing this morning is that you have the words of life. You have joy and hope and life. God, I'm pray a prayer like, God, I'm sorry that I've lived for myself. I'm sorry that I've tried to do it my own way. I want to do it your way. I want to follow you. Forgive me of my sin. Make me a, a new creation as as the pastor talked about today, I want to be a new creation. I don't, I don't want to be old man anymore. I want the newness of life. I commit my life to following you. If you pray sincerely a prayer and, and do that in your heart, the Bible says that you are now in Christ. Your old life is, is washed in the blood and you're alive in him. And so if that was you, I, after church, I, I really would like you to come and talk to me and tell me what you did or find one of the other leaders, tell them that you committed your life to Christ today. And so you get to do communion, whether you've ever had it before in, a, in another church or here or the Catholic church where you took the communion. This will be the first time that it actually means something because you realize that the body of Christ was broken for you. The body of Christ, he allowed himself to be bruised and hurt so that we would be alive and have healing. He allowed his blood to be spilt to wash our sins so that we could be forgiven. Let's, let's pray before we take the 
the bread together. God, as we come to the table of the the Lord today in communion, we thank you so much for what you did for us. God, you sent Jesus to be a sacrifice for my sin, for all the the, the evil things that I do, did, all the evil things I thought. You sent Jesus to die for me that my sins could be washed away, that I could be forgiven. You put me from death to life immediately. And this morning, Lord, you're asking me to put off my old man, put off the old man with his deceitful lusts, be renewed in my mind, and put on the new man that you created in righteousness and holiness. And that's what I want. God, help me to have a love for the word where you're going to show me the attitudes that I should have. Let that, that word come alive. God, I pray for everyone in here, God, that you would give them a love for the word of God so that they would know the attitudes that you desire us to have and that we would be full of the life of God as we walk away, as we put off, take off those dirty clothes and put on the garments of life. We thank you that that can only happen because of the sacrifice. And so, Lord, we thank you for the bread of life that was in Jesus. Let's receive the bread together. And, Lord, it's your blood. As we used to sing, it's your blood that cleanses me. It's your blood that washes me whiter than snow. God, I thank you that the Bible says that our sin you've removed it from us as far as the east is from the west and that you choose to remember our sin no more because of the blood of Jesus. We thank you for this juice that represents Christ's sacrifice for us. Let's take together. Lord, this new day, this is the day that you've made and we rejoice in you. We commit ourselves to you to put on the new man after we've put off the old and renew our mind. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We'll see you through the week. Next week is uh, the baptism, barbecue. And uh, hey, if you, if you accepted the Lord today and committed your life, I want to talk to you. you let's, let's do a double deal. Next week you can be baptized. There's no waiting. We'll do it. Um, have a great week. If you want, you can go back. We're beginning to do some remodeling in the back of the church. We're um, going to be remodeling the kitchen, putting in a new heater, and we're going to be remodeling the, the men's restroom. Yay! No longer will there be two toilets side by side in the men's restroom, wondering what you're supposed to do with both of them. We're actually going to have a real bathroom back there. So, uh, so you can go see the dust, and, uh, um, but we'll see you this week. God bless you all.